another episode of Full Court Press, presented to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Luke Alves. What up, Luke? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, exciting part of the year. We got the March Madness about to end, and then the end of uh, NBA season. So, very exciting time right now. Yeah, and the start of the real NBA season. I am super pumped. Um, I uh, also we've got you know our our uh, our awards coming up, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have that next Thursday. Um, God, I've been there, there's been a couple that I've just been going back and forth on. Um, it's tough, man. Defensive Player of the Year, like fuck, like I got like four people that I I think you know could you know, still have a realistic shot at getting it. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a couple others that are just tough. Um, and then a lot of, like, two-man races. Like, MVP is a two-man race now. Rookie of the Year is a two-man race. I feel like most improved player is a two-man race now. Um, See, between I, Siakam I, and uh, yeah. and um, what's-his-name in, in Brooklyn. But, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I just see it at Siakam, but I know there's another two-man race for that because there's so many. It could be D'Angelo Russell, definitely, but I think it's Siakam's just kind of running away with it. He's just had a crazy season. Yeah, I, I still think – I'm still on the fence about it because, I mean, I, my biggest thing, my biggest struggle with it right now is Siakam – and this will probably be – might be my determining factor – if you if you list out all of the forwards in the NBA, like all of them, and you list out all the guards in the NBA, Siakam's a lot higher on that forward list for me personally than Russell is on that guard list. Um, now I know there's more guards in the NBA, so like there, there's more elite guards in the NBA, so like you have to take that into account too. But like, man, wing players are like. That's that's what's so important right now. Like that's what every team wants. Is what every team doesn't have enough of. Um, and you know, I mean, I know Siakam's kind of more of a big esque, um, but he he's a wing player. He's a, he's a big wing player. Um, kind of like how you, how you would qualify, like you know, uh, Tobias Harris is a wing player. You know, I mean, he plays the four and he's pretty big, but like he's really a wing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. Um, I, I'm still coming down to the wire on that one. Um, and Russell went off last night at fucking, like, five threes. Um, he's fucking playing great down the stretch. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. It, it really is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see how all that shakes out. But, yeah, man, super exciting time of year. Um, and then, you know, in a, just a little over a month, we have the NBA lottery. Um, which is going to be huge. It's going to decide a lot of fates for a lot of teams. Um, and God, I can't wait for that. I I, I think it's on a Tuesday. Um, so if possible, I definitely want to have um, a, a podcast, uh, like a live reaction podcast for that, because um, that's going to be fucking huge. Um, and we luckily we didn't have one last year because I had a meltdown when the Hawks. Uh, got three instead of two because um, I thought it meant we would not be able to draft Luca, <laughs> and then we were able to draft Luca. We traded him, <laughs> but uh, that's that's turned out uh, pretty well, all things considered. Um, 
But uh, anyway, so what we're doing tonight, uh, listeners, uh, we are going to be breaking down a lot of what-if draft scenarios, draft trade scenarios. Um, Essentially, I I got this idea when, Luke, you and I did our last um, mock draft, and we started kind of like negotiating trades. Uh, I think we had two. Um, we, We had one for sure, and then kind of one at the tail end. We kind of got rushed. Um, but like, I started kind of thinking about it and contemplating like all of these various scenarios that could happen, uh, in the lottery and how that could affect, um, various team situations. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw out, um, just what if scenarios, like for instance, if the Lakers end up with the number one overall pick, uh, maybe what should they do? Maybe they should take Zion, trade LeBron, and just fucking roll with that. Maybe they should trade Zion for Anthony Davis. Maybe they should do something completely different. Um, I don't have the Lakers in any of mine. That's why I threw that out there because <laughs> fuck the Lakers. I don't want to talk about them anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, that's just an example of, uh, you know, what we got coming. Uh, so, Luke, I'm going to let you start it off, man. So what's your uh, what's your number one – or not number one, but what's your first – uh, what if scenario that you like to bring to the table? So mine's an interesting one because it's one of those teams. that's like, what are you doing right now? So it's the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> so okay, gotta throw this out. What if the Memphis Grizzlies win the number one pick? So here's my little thing, and take Zion. Do they trade Mike Conley still? Because if you ask me, Conley wants to play for contenders. Made it known, but I think Conley's a perfect point guard for a Zion and a Jaron Jackson Jr. moving forward, like oh, helping them out very, very fast. So he fits so well. So it's now like, are we not rebuilding? Are we rebuilding? Here's an, or uh, in a couple of years, would that make, you know, the best young, you know, like down low group with Zion and J- Jackson? Uh, do you so do much it? fun. Do you keep Conley to say, well, why not give the pick next year to the Celtics, make it as terrible right. as possible, an end lottery right. pick, so you can ruin that and make it convey then. And then do you flip Chandler Parsons if you do get Zion? Because he's on his final year of his contract, and you can possibly right. finally get out of it. So those are my, like, what if, you know, like, what do you do? Like, cause are you just a full right. rebuild, you know, you get Zion? So this is an interesting team for me on a lot of scenarios of, like, if they get the number one pick. Yeah, man. Like, I, in fact, I posed the question um, on Tuesday to uh, both Jawan and Joel. Like, if there's any team that's not your team that you would like to see Zion on, who would it be? And, of course, those motherfuckers couldn't come up with anything because they're just so fucking – like, they just want him on the Knicks so bad, they can't even think of a different fucking scenario. Um, I, I could not get them to say the Hawks, which I was just like, really? Like, you wouldn't want to see fucking Trey Young lobbing fucking passes to fucking Zion? Like, fuck y'all. Um, but uh, I, I, I think essentially Joel's remark was, well, fuck, you already got Trey Young. And I was like, well, fuck you, motherfuckers. Y'all are getting fucking Kyrie and KD. So, or, you know, sorry, Luke. Um, KD and somebody. Um, but, like, nevertheless, I would love to see him uh, 
on Memphis. That's my second team. If if my Hawks can't get him, I would love to see him play in Memphis because that Jaron Jackson would be the absolute perfect fucking big to pair next to him. A guy who can fucking stretch the floor, um, can you know spread things out, can hit threes, um, plays great defense, uh, can be a paint protector. Um, and that way Zion doesn't have to like necessarily protect the paint, but he can help with it because he's fucking great help defender. Um, we've seen that at Duke. Um, and I just would think that matchup would be so fucking great. Now, if they do get him, uh, I think here's – the, here's the weird thing. Um, Conley has an early termination option um, the following year. Uh, now, it's worth like $31, $32 million, something like that. So I don't think he would take it. Um, but if you do keep Conley, he might take it to get a more long-term deal in a more winning situation, um, and then you lose him for nothing, uh, and then you convey your pick. So then you, you've got, you know, uh, essentially uh, Jaron Jackson with two years left, Zion with three years left on their rookie deals with no pick coming in, and then by the time you've got another pick left, that'd be one year left and two year left on those respective deals. So it's like, damn, dude, like – if you did do it that way, how would you really get the talent quick enough to like get it in and make it work? Um, all that being said, I would still roll the dice on that. I would keep Conley. Um, yeah, I might even fucking work out some kind of lesser extension just to keep him for the rest of his career, honestly, and just try to build with those guys. I mean, I know that doesn't work. You're not, never going to win. Um, big with those three guys, um, just because Conley's going to fall off before you have the opportunity to do so. Um, but nevertheless, man, like I think it would be, I think it would be the smartest decision for them to um, keep him, roll with that, maybe bring back Avery Bradley. Moving Parsons would be tough because the only way you're going to do it is either by taking on somebody else's bad contract, which maybe you could find somebody who would fit that better, but Parsons is the worst of the worst. He's making 24 fucking million dollars next year. Um, so yeah, another, another option you might look at is stretching Parsons. So you could try to sign somebody. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's a lot of that. Like you just brought up the biggest, like what if of what ifs, because like there's so many, ancillary pieces at work here that I, I mean, the fuck, the GM would really have a field day trying to fucking figure all that shit out for sure. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, that was my like thinking just because like Memphis is such an interesting thing because they should go full rebuild, but it's just like one of those teams that if it's, it's a curse if they get the first thing, well, it's not a curse, but I mean, not a curse. It's just like one of those things that's like, Oh man, and like that was a terrible word to kind of like put it right there, but uh, it's kind of like one of those ones that, like you're saying, it puts the GM in a lot of different scenarios. Like, do I go full rebuild? I can make this kind of happen. Memphis is the type of city that you need to keep things going and keep people interested. I mean, no matter right. what, you're gonna have Zion, so you'll sell tickets. But I think if you have the Conley Zion, Jaron Jackson, try like that's your three. That's a very good, you know, at least to kind of contend in the in the West and not be so down. So, I mean, 
it's just they're, they're a very interesting team. And I think if I'm them, I'd keep Carmley just because of the whole thing that I said is just try to give the Celtics the worst possible pick the following year. So if right. you do trade Carmley or he falls off, you have your own pick coming at, back into you. You own the rights and you have your own pick going in. So now you can do the full rebuild. But you're, you're right. less years on Zion and Jackson contract. So they're an interesting one, man. I I don't know what I'd do if I saw them get the number one pick. <laughs> I mean, I'd be excited for them. I mean, I really would. Like I said, I think Zion and, and Jackson would be a fucking awesome pair. Like, I think that would be possibly the best-case scenario for Zion um, because he would have somebody that he would just pair so well with, and Conley would, like, help him, like, help ingratiate him into the league. Um, it'd be such a, it'd be a really great situation for him. Um, just like, uh, as far as coming into the league, I really do. I think it would be great. Um, I think Zion's the type of player, like say Russell Westbrook, who could transcend, transcend small market. Um, so I don't, I don't think necessarily being in Memphis would hurt him. Like I think, and I said this on Tuesday, uh, cause you know, both the guys were trying to tell me like, oh, fuck, I don't want to have to watch Memphis games, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, like three years ago you were watching Memphis games and you fucking loved it. Like when they had the grit and grind era, everybody loved watching Memphis games. Fuck you. Um, but anyway, uh, I I don't know. I think I think it would be great for him um, on, on, a, on a lot of different levels. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think ultimately you keep Conley. Um, I think you just probably – I don't think you do much else other than that. I think you let you probably bring back Bradley on his um uh like twelve million dollar uh extension. He's actually played pretty well there um since the trade. Uh I think he fits uh relatively well with Conley. Um Conley's a little bigger so it kinda helps him. Um so yeah, I mean I would I would probably bring back uh him and then just, I guess, roll with Kyle Anderson at the three, even though I feel like he fits a little better at the four. Um, and, well, and you got uh, you got Dylan Brooks, so i probably roll with him at three as your starter. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, after that, the year after that, I would try to – I'd be looking to trade Conley in the offseason with him going into his final year. You're not going to get much for him at that point, Um you're probably going to be looking at something similar to the Gasol deal. The other thing that's interesting here is what would you do with Valanciunas? Because um, if he opts in, then he's an expiring contract, and he's a lot better center um, than, like, you know, uh, what a lot of people have. Um, and with so many, like, expiring contracts out there, maybe you could flip Valanciunas for, like, a worse, uh, much worse expiring contract um, and, and – you know, pick up some kind of asset, you know, in that regard, um, that could be interesting. Um, or maybe you just go fucking big and you play Zion at the three, Jackson at the four, and Valanciunas at the five. Um, I mean, I don't think that's their, any of, you know, those the two young guys fit long term, but I think you could maybe make that work for a season. Um, but, yeah, like, dude, it'd be fucking really interesting if that happened. All right. Um, let me go ahead and skip ahead to my – I have these in a different order, but I'm going to go ahead and do my Grizzlies one because I got an interesting Grizzlies one as well. So let's say they don't end up getting Zion. 
But whether they get number two or number three, um, let's say they end up with the in the position to draft Ja Morant. Um, so you have Mike Conley. You, if you if you you know get say the number three or number two pick and you get Ja Morant, say let's say um, RJ. Let's say number three. Let's say whoever gets two drafts RJ. Um, and so they're looking at drafting John Morant. Like, that's the best player available. Um, honestly, I would make a phone call to the Celtics and see if I could flip Ja, get my pick back next year, and then pick up number 14 from the Kings and maybe try to get number 22, uh, which would be either the Celtics or the Clippers pick whoever ends up finishing with the better record so it would have the lesser pick, it'd be right in that 22-ish range. Um, I think the Celtics would do that, um, mainly because Jaw would be like a better draft uh, or, or a better trade asset um, than just having like a, a Grizzlies pick that you know n- no one's really sure what it's going to become. Um, and giving up 14 and 22, um, it, it, it makes sense to me uh, in, in that if you can get John Morant, not only is he a much better trade asset, so maybe if you convince Kyrie to stay, maybe now all of a sudden, maybe you don't have to give up Tatum. Maybe you can do John Morant and Brown and you know some, something to fill in the contract. Um, space uh, to get Anthony Davis. That like that's an actual scenario in which you could possibly not have to give up Tatum in order to get Anthony Davis. And if Kyrie walks, then you've got a young core of John Morant, Brown, and Tatum, uh, plus those other veterans and and uh, Horford and Hayward. Um, you know you're gonna be just fine. Uh, but it, it also gives you the flexibility on Terry Rozier such that if, say, the Suns or the Bulls or, you know, the Magic, you know, are, are like offer him a fucking, you know, 74-year, 70, $70 million contract, you're not like feeling like, well, fuck, if we don't match it and Kyrie walks, then we're fucked, you know. Um, so I think it gives the Celtics both purity and – it also gives them flexibility as far as if they keep Kyrie, their various trade assets. I think it bundles them together into a better trade asset than those other three pieces are without the confirmation. And if you're the Grizzlies, if you get 14-22 and get your pick back next year, that means you can trade Conley. You can take, uh, you can use 14 and 22 to draft whatever positions that you think are most important for you to fill around Jaron Jackson tank and then get a top pick next year, their desired goal is to send that draft pick out. So like my thing is this, if you're in the position to not only send that draft pick out this year, but you also get back two uh, first round picks later, first round picks, but first round picks, um, in addition to that, I would do it. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think you could maybe find yourself with, say, like a Brandon Clark at 14, um, who I think, again, would pair 
fucking great with Jackson because of Jackson's ability to space the floor. Um, or maybe you find yourself with a Kobe White at 14, and so you get your point guard replacement, and then you take a, a, a Grant Williams or, or a P.J. Washington at 22. Or, you know, if you take the big guy at 14, maybe you can get, you know, a, a guard at 22 that you really like. Like maybe Alexander Walker falls down to 22. It gives you a lot of flexibility, and then you have, um, you know, as far as those two draft picks, and then you have the flexibility – in addition to be able to tank, trade, um, trade um, Conley now uh, because you're getting your pick back next year. What are your thoughts, Luke? I mean, I I, <laughs> I like it a lot for the Celtics just because uh, I would do it. Not just because of the insurance wise, like you're saying, like he's a, it's a more better trade asset and and to be able to like if I, we want to. But none of that, I mean. The young core, if we were to build around Morant, Brown, and Tatum, that'd be fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting for the Memphis, because I feel like even if they, like, I, I feel like they would still, I, like, they'd want John Morant and build around him and Jackson and still try to flip Conley. But I understand what you're getting way more in, like, doing the, the whole, like, Celtics deal, because, yes, you'd be getting two first-round picks in the strap so you're still being able to do something in this strap instead of you know just I will instead of just keeping Josh so again at least two things not great at like nothing compared to what Morant is going to be but you know you never know anything can happen so you're getting that and then the flexibility of getting your pick back not only just next year but the year that follows because if it doesn't go one through five next year I think it's like a top three and, and it gets it gets, just gets worse for Memphis one through but, six one through six protected next year, and then unprotected the year after that. Yeah, that. <laughs> so it'd be interesting. Um, uh, like Danny, Danny. I don't know if he like to, you know, he's just if he if Memphis is calling him at that point, I feel like he wouldn't do it, and yeah, he would like try to like finagle him even more and do something like crazy. In in the end, it's a really good deal just because you have so much. It gives each team a lot of different flexibilities to, like, what you're going to do. If this scenario happens, right. you know, you can go here. So it does a lot for the teams. And then even if they keep Morant and Jackson, I mean, that's still a decent thing to build. And then you can just try to, you know, call down to Utah and be like, hey, at 23, try to take this guy for us and we'll get a future second. You know, that that, that could be your best. Right, and we'll give you Conley. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we'll give you calmly. So you know they yeah. can try to do I that, mean, that, but makes... in the end, your trade's better but... for them. Like your no, in the end, like what you propose is better. It's just it's too good to be true, and uh, I feel like you know <laughs> Memphis right. still getting it makes too Memphis much sense. now. Yeah, now if it was R.J. Barrett and we flip out that. I think Memphis would be more inclined to try to trade him and doing that, but I don't think the Celtics. Right. But the even though Celtics I think he's going to be not. really good, I don't think the Celtics, but you could have any other team that could come in and then say, you know, there's a big, like, in Washington, not even, like, I don't even know who'd want to, like, jump up there and, like, give up a future pick next year. But so the Morant, it's, it's very interesting because. Again, Memphis, what are you doing? You should have just traded to give us a clear sign that we're tanking. But I understand how they're just there. 
they're in the Brooklyn Nets kind of like, damn it, we have no, yeah, like our picks in the future aren't really ours, and it's really hard to start like building what like a foundation of what I feel like can be strong. So it's interesting. Now, can you trade back picks and rights to picks? Like, I guess once it's ours, we can do whatever we want to. Can we give it back to Memphis? I would do it. I would do it just because it, it, it's a win-win for both teams. It just It's one of those too good to be true. So you don't know if they would do it. Like either team would do it. But I think it makes a lot of sense all around. Yeah, you know what's funny? I don't think the Grizzlies would offer it. And if they did, I, don't, I think you're right. I don't think Age would take it. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe he would. Maybe Age would be like, I think he might try to haggle him, but maybe like when all said and done, like, cause I mean, I think the Grizzlies would come in being like, you know, probably even asking for more than that. Um, and then, you know, of course, if that was the case, Ainge would just hang up the fucking phone. Um, but like, I feel like that's about the right number to, to settle on because like 14 and 22, like the Celtics aren't drafting anything at 14 and 22 that are really going to help them. And if, I mean, you never know, but like, I, it's just role players, really. It, at least, like the chances, it's a very high probability, um, almost astronomically high probability with this draft that you're going to be getting role players there. Um, and they don't really need role players. They need, like, uh, you know, they need, um, like, like some some either kind of star thing that they could use to trade or star thing to replace Kyrie if he walks. Um, and you know, I, I, I just think that would just be so makes so much fucking sense. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I want, I want Brandon Clark to end up, um, paired with a, with a center who can stretch the floor, um, a young center who can stretch the floor. So that way Clark doesn't have to worry about, you know, all of that fucking shit and can just like, you know, get in there, play defense you know, rotate, protect the paint, um, you know, and, and like just fucking get buckets inside. Um, Cause I mean, if they, I think his, the early part of his career is going to go, um, uh, could go drastically in two different directions, depending on what kind of situation he finds himself in. He is definitely not a player that could just adapt to any system. Um, so I don't know. Uh, that, that's probably the biggest uh, fuel behind uh, me wanting that trade. Uh, but all right, let's move on. Uh, next up for you. So I'm going to kind of segue like how you did it. So my next one deals with the Celtics. So, you know, I got to try to do that. But it's an all interesting right, one. Here we go. So, so check it out. What if Memphis's pick slips to number nine and ends up being mm-hmm. the Celtics pick this year? Do okay. – and the one through three just gone like the – just say the clear cuts are Morant, Zion and and uh and RJ and that's what all the teams want. Do teams mm-hmm. like the Hawks or Bulls consider trading down? And here's your picks you can get. You can get nine, fourteen, and then possibly twenty one or twenty two. So for the Bulls situation, you trade out number four because you're not getting your point guard, and you know at number nine you can get Darius Garland. So you you're gonna get that. You get fourteen okay. and pick twenty one. So now at four, the Celtics have a better chance of definitely beating whatever the Lakers 
like choices if we want to go into AD because we have a better pick in this year's draft and and could possibly save not trading Tatum even though you're not <clears throat> the person you're getting at for is not like the level but you still have a better chance of you know trading for the Hawks do you trade the number five knowing clear cut who you want to get at five you're getting at six so you're definitely going to get your man that you wanted but you can come down sure. to nine fourteen. And 22, because now, because the Celtics, we don't need all these picks if they, if we'll, if, like, because we right. end up having four. It's just impossible. Even if we did draft and Sasha, just, we just can't do anything. So the Hawks would still right. get your guy at, at, at six, possibly get nine, 14, and 22, um, and still do some things with that, you know, trade, build off of those, and all that. So. You know, would would you think that either one of those teams would consider it just, you know, being able to move away from there? And then that gives us New Orleans. Are you now more inclined of doing a trade with us than any other team, knowing that you're also in the top five this year and you have this year's pick, and then you could probably get more assets in the end out of out of the Celtics? And does that beat any AD trade offer that you can see too? And right. that's okay, excluding so you, Tatum. Oh, okay. Um, oof. I would say, I would say the Bulls would be more likely interested, namely because they could get the point guard they wanted, um, and because the Hawks already have so many. Like, they've already got so many people on their roster next season, and got five picks in this draft. So, trying to like, like adding two more picks to that, we kind of be in a similar situation with Celtics. Like, what the fuck do we do with all these picks? Um, so like, I don't know if the Hawks would be the team. Um, now I do think like, let's say the wizard ended up at like four, um, or maybe even three, um, like they might want to do it. Like if they're not super high on say RJ, um, like maybe they would be willing to do it because literally the Wizards have, like, four people um, under contract next season. Well, five, I think, if you include Dwight Howard. Um, but, like, dude, they got, like, nobody on their fucking team next year, and they're already at $80 million. Um, so they need depth. They need fucking people. So, like, if they ended up at three or four, I think it's a very realistic possibility, especially, like, if the Wizards – if the Wizards did end up at four, that would probably push um, uh, Memphis further down. So maybe that helps too. Um, so, like, they, they're a team that needs depth. They need a lot of bodies. Um, so I, I think that would kind of be the team I would look for. Um, the Bulls maybe, um, like I said, because they could get their point guard. and They could probably use a little depth too. I don't know their whole roster, but they don't have, like, they don't have a lot of like long-term pieces on that roster. Um, maybe the Suns, though. I think they've got like a lot of people, and they're going to re-sign a few people. Um, but yeah, I think Washington. That would be that would be the team that I would think would be the most interested in that kind of deal. Um, especially like if they get a new GM in there, like you know. I feel like if I'm a new GM, I'd rather just have, like, I don't care where I'm picking. Like, I'd rather just have three chances of hitting on something than only one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
I would feel more comfortable with that. Even if that one pick is R.J. Barrett. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like, dude, maybe we get lucky and, you know, we take Nazir Little at nine and he ends up being better than R.J. Barrett. Like, that's fucking definitely a possibility. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that would be the team. What, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the Washington would be interesting. I was just going off the factors of just, like, you know, the current thing. So I wasn't – Right. I mean, I'd, Washington would definitely consider it just because Washington's done some crazy thing. Now, I think if the Celtics were to do that, I think we would try to finagle getting Beal out of them then. <laughs> Probably, then the but you wouldn't be getting their pick at that point. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. We That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We'd rather try to see if we could do the 9-14 22, let me give you some Brown, Jalen Brown, and what else we can make it happen. That's what I'm saying. If Washington comes in, I think at that point we're trying to look at a star in your team and just convincing you, right. go full rebuild and just wait till John Wall gets back, you know? But I think the Bulls are an interesting yeah. one because the Bulls are in one of those predicaments where if they don't get in the top three, four kind of just starts flaking off. I mean, I, I really do believe in Culver. But he's not like you need someone to run your office at this point in time, and he's sure. not going to be doing it for you. He's not going to be running the point and all of that. And then it's just like I don't know. Reddish is he's really falling off for me. Um, I don't see it like him and being the fourth like worth the fourth pick. So you know, at this point, you could trade down to get Garland and all of that, and not have to worry. And then you still have some picks because I mean. Then you still have the 14, so you, you're still in the lottery still, and then you have a later pick. So I think the Bulls might consider it just because if they miss out on those three guys, for them, in my mind, on their whiteboard, it, it drops drastically for them. There's no, like, right. clear-cut, like, okay, here we go, this guy, and all that, because, I mean, they still made the trade for Otto Porter Jr., so he, and he's still there. So it's just like, you're not, you, do you want it? Because that's where the positions are looking like at that point of time, or, like, the better wings. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Bulls are more inclined just because, like you're saying, the Hawks would just be in that predicament where, like, okay, now we have a lot of picks. What do we do? <laughs> but I think the Hawks right. would maybe do something with it where they could trade, you know, some things and get future things because, um, you know, yeah, you I could, could trade see them Prince. doing that. Um, you know, there, there's there's a few uh, there's a few different like pieces you could move around. Um, so yeah, I mean that's certainly a possibility. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to a, a different one. Um, all right, I'll, we'll transition this way since you since you brought up the Bulls. Um, if the Bulls end up with the number one pick, aka Zion, and the Hawks end up with number two or number three, basically if they find themselves in position to draft John ja Morant and retain the Mavs pick. The team should fucking just look at each other's rosters and say, let's fucking make a deal. Um, so the Hawks get Zion, the Bulls get John Morant, and the, uh, let, let's say, number seven pick. So we'll, we'll say, like, something like DeAndre Hunter um, <clears throat> or, you know, um, Nazir Little, Kelvin Johnson, Brandon Clark, whoever the fuck they want there. Um I think that's a really good trade. It may take a little bit more than that on behalf of the Hawks. They may have to throw in something a little extra, which I probably would be willing to do if I'm the Hawks. Um, but I think it works out for both teams. Uh, the, the Bulls, like, 
they do. They're just a team that does not need Zion. Like they have their three, four, and five pretty much set on that roster. Um, like they, yes, you could. I, like, would I rather have Zion than any one of those guys? Sure, but I, if I could have fucking John Morant, which is like the one position that I need filled, and could get an extra asset for my depth. Um, I think that it makes a lot of sense there. Um, I don't know that they would necessarily do it. Um, I don't. It, it would be it would be ballsy for any GM to trade Zion. Um, but I do think it would be a smart move on their behalf to get their point guard of the future to fit with all the other pieces that they have. Um, and he, to me, is the clear number two best player in this draft, best prospect in this draft. Um, so you couple that with something to, to give you more depth um, with the Mavs pick, and then maybe you know maybe the Hawks throw in um, Touring Prince or something else, you know, just to just to make it a little sweeter. Um, but that's pretty much you know the the uh, the bare bones of the pick. So. Uh, John Morant, and then the Mavs pick for Zion. What do you think? Oh, no, I think I just became the Orlando Magic, and I'm like, whatever, bring all the big guys in we need. It's on the Bulls. I mean, <laughs> like you're saying, you're, you're, you're not trading Zion. You're just not. It's just not happening. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I understand completely what you're saying. But, dude, the whole city of Chicago would riot. Like, dude, it would be crazy if you just passed up on like I don't know almost man. the next All Jordan, the you're passing up on the I've next talked to Jordan. Really want John Morant. You're passing up on the next Jordan of what they could do to your city. Like John Morant's great and <laughs> all that, but he knows true. Zion. He's not like doing what Jordan did to that city. You'd be able to have yeah that it's it's just it's one of those like it does, like I understand you make it sense. You would have to if the Hawks were to do that. You not only have to give the Mavs pick this year, you have to give up next year's pick and some other crazy little thing too. And then maybe take on like a terrible Zach Levine. Like somehow like you would have to like take a really bad end of something to convince them to trade Zion because it's just not happening. Like every team would figure it out. I would trade Markinen, even though he's really good, or Otto Porter. Like I would be like, see ya. Like I don't care. Like Zion or figure it out, guys. Like, if you don't want him in there, then play better than him. But he's definitely out there day one. This is our face of our franchise. If I'm Chicago, I'm already thinking about the statue next to, to like, MJ and, you know, Scotty coming back and all that and the first game <laughs> and all that. Really, so, so what, yeah. So it, what do you think they could realistically get from marketing that would be of equal value? Just off the top of your head, cause, I mean, I, I didn't think about it until just now either. Um, obviously you'd want a point guard. Um, but I, you know, I don't know of any situation where I go to the Celtics. If you could convince somehow to sign and trade with Rozier and, you know, we're going to keep it. We're going to go out of the draft and all that. Maybe go Rozier. You're going to get something like that. Yeah, maybe you just, a lot more. Maybe you just overpay like, Rozier at that point. You know, you still have yeah. fucking probably 20, $25 million in cap space. You probably just fucking, uh, write him a fucking fat ass check for like four years, eighty million dollars. No way the Celtics would match that, <laughs> you know. But 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 if they do, because you know we always like the Celtics have, they can match anything and all that. So if you do, you can convince them. Like let's do a sign and trade. 
We're gonna because Markin would be so good. Oh man, I'd love him on the Celtics. Dude, yeah, he would be really good player. on the Celtics. He would be, dude. So would you I play him at the five or the four? Um, in certain situations, I'd play Tatum and him with him at the five, and then certain situations, I wouldn't, and I'd pull him at the four. So it's it just it's all yeah. based on. But if if he's starting and like you know the Horford's gone and all, oh man, yeah, I don't know. I I like Markinen a lot. I don't. By think the way, Chicago, I gotta, Chicago would trade him. No, I, I don't either. I think they would probably try to move Wendell Carter. And just play yeah, marketing at the five. Yeah. yeah, and you're not going to get value. You're not going to get real value for him. But – or maybe you just keep him and bring him off the bench and hope that he plays really well with limited minutes and then you can trade him, something like that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I I think ultimately you're right. I don't think they would do it either. Um, but I think there's a very, very small number of – teams that would actually consider trading Zion, and I do not think the Bulls are one of them. Um, but, you know, I still feel like it it, it, it makes a lot of sense on paper. <laughs> now, it, it, I, I it being, that being said, I do digress. I, I think he, ultimately you are correct. It would not happen. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think maybe you just overpay for a point guard. Um See, I would say maybe you go get Rubio, but then, man, like, uh, that's a that's, – you, you, you don't want a point guard who can't fucking shoot. Like, and is only nominal nominal at defense um, with Rubio. Like, that would, like, next to Zion, that would be, like, a rough fit, you know, because Zion, obviously, you know, he's he's very much improved his, his jump shot down the – the stretch of the season, but I, I mean, I still think, you know, that's something that he's going to have to continue to work on. Um, so I, I don't know if Rubio would be the best fit. I think Rogier would be probably your prime target at that point. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, what's your next one? I uh, kind of touched on a team. Uh, it was the Dallas. So here's my Dallas scenario. What if mm-hmm. Dallas ends up getting the number two pick? And Zion, you know, I know, I know it hurts you. Just, just take it. <laughs> so they give him Zion gone. So who do they select? So here's my thing: Do you take Morant, even though you already tried this dual point guard thing, and you learned that right. Luca needs the ball in his hands at all times? Right. Do you take RJ, who is basically RJ needs a the ball too? Image. A split image of Luca because at least Morant plays point guard and can cover point guards. Morant, right. and, I mean Luca and RJ are literally the same position point forward. Or since you've already done lost a lot of assets in you know the Knicks pick and all that, do you just trade the number two pick and try to get something like another budding star and just build around something like convincing Washington to give me a Bradley Beal? or convincing yeah. another team to give me a super – to get a star. Because I think Dallas is one of those that they either want the number one pick – well, they definitely want their pick, but it's just like if they don't get the number one pick and they're in the top, like, two or three, it's just like, what do we do? Because, you know, right. you've already kind of seen what happens with the two-point guard thing didn't work. Luka needs the ball. He's definitely a clear future. 
and all that. And Kristoff and, and is obviously there. So it's just like the Morant, RJ Barrett, even though they're great players, or do you get a better chance of flipping them for a really good asset and possibly a Bradley Beal? That is a good one, dude. I think I would definitely try to trade for Bradley Beal. Um, I would not necessarily want Anthony Davis for a couple of reasons. One, I think, I, I think your your best like position for Luca defensively is the four. Um, so I really like I'd be looking at having defensively him play the four, and then Kristaps at the five, and then you're looking at filling out the rest of your roster one through three. Um, so I don't necessarily think Davis would be the guy. Like, granted, like, Davis is fucking supreme talent, and you find a way to make it work. Um, but Luca's just going to get burned on the fucking – like, if he's guarding point guards, dude, he's just going to get fucking tore up, dude. Um, like, they've done a really good job of hiding him on defense this year, and part of that is his fucking size. He's six foot eight, um, And so you can play him uh, at the four um, and, 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 like, hide him – uh, on, on one of those like poor defenders, um, Brunson's actually been pretty fucking good um, down the stretch of this year, um, and I think you know he could potentially be your um, your de facto one on defense if they don't get somebody better. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it would scare me to have Luca guarding one through three, depending on who those players are. I think you want to have that flexibility for him to be able to guard the four four man on various teams um, so that, you know, he can essentially guard the weakest player on the court. Um, That makes the most sense. So in that, in, in that sense, I would definitely be looking at Beal. Um, I think Beal would work so fucking well with Luca. Um, I think he would be, a, I, I think he'd be great. I think you could sell him on that big three. Um, my only real fear would be, well, <clears throat> my biggest fear would be, would how would he get along with Luca as far as how they share the floor and share touches and all of that kind of thing? Because Luca does dominate the ball. He had a big problem with John Wall dominating the ball. Like, Luca's not a pass-first um, uh, ball handler. He wants to get his shots up. Um, and John Wall, he kind of has the same problem with John Wall. Um, so I don't know if – like, it would suck to fucking trade that pick. And then in two years, Brad's just like, dude, no, nah, I'm going. I'm gone. Like, this ain't working. Um, but I feel like that's a risk that I would take. Just because, like you said, I don't necessarily think RJ or Jaw is like a perfect fit for them either. I feel like Beal's a much better fit with his style of play. So yeah, that's who I'd be looking at. I'd definitely be looking at maybe flipping. Um, I don't think the, I don't think the Wizards would take Hardaway. So maybe because um, he got the two years left. So maybe the number two or number three pick plus. Um, Courtney Lee. Take Courtney Lee as an expiring off our books. We get Beal, um, and then we, and that still leaves us some money, some cap money, to maybe go out and sign somebody like, I don't know, uh, Trevor Ariza 
or Pat Beverly or Danny Green, um, somebody who can, like, you know, play some defense, hit some threes, doesn't need the ball, um, like, guys like that. But I think that would be a really good way um, to kind of fill out that, that roster. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to warm up to the idea of, like, Beverly. Like, I think Beverly on that team would be fucking awesome. Um, and then you'd have enough money to pay him um, and maybe still pick up somebody else at that point. Because, um, like, Beverly, uh, he's, like, the perfect perfect point guard for a team that has, like, a point forward. Um, so if you have, like, Beverly, Beal, maybe I guess you just play Hardaway at the three, or maybe uh, you bring back Dorian Finney-Smith, bring Hardaway as your sixth man off the bench, um, and then Luca and Kristaps, uh, the fucking really good team, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I like. Dallas is one of those ones where it's just <clears throat> they, if they're in the top two or three, they, it, the players at that point don't make sense for them, and it just makes sense for them to start like committed fully around this, like whoever you trade for, Luca and Kristoff, and then get your fillers in with you because they have a lot of cap space, and don't waste that on one player this summer and get like like you're saying the Beverly's. Maybe the Reza's, you know, get the people that can come in there and play and fill in that your money with this, like this year instead of just like going all in for one player and then kind of just you know right. being, being screwed with the thing. So I, I it, it would suck for a Hawks fan to see that you know Dallas because I don't think you guys get anything if if the pick doesn't happen this year to you guys. No, what is it? Because uh, rolls over. It just rolls over. I know they. Yeah. I know it goes like some point it goes to the Knicks because the Knicks have gotten in there with stuff. The Dallas are yeah. like this weird like they traded a lot of the future. They all just roll over. Um, so it's top five protected this year, next year. I want to say top three protected the year after that, and then unprotected. Um, so yeah, I mean as long as they keep their pick, if they were to do so. Um, it would just all those picks would roll over, so it would kind of screw the Knicks too. Um, but uh, and especially because the last pick in that the second pick in that Knicks equation is top ten protected, and if it does not convey, it immediately becomes I think one second round pick. Um, so the longer that goes down the line, the like much worse off you are because. Uh, if you're talking six, seven, eight years down the line, then you're talking where Luca could potentially it maybe not work out in Dallas and him go somewhere else or Kristaps goes somewhere else or gets hurt or whatever. Um, so they, they, New York definitely wants those picks to convey um, as soon as possible. Um, but, yeah, all right. Uh, I don't want to talk about the fucking Mavericks anymore because fucking them. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So here's an interesting one for you. Um, if the Bulls or the Suns don't end up with Ja Morant, but still end up in the top two, or I'm sorry, top three or four, um, I think they should trade that pick for Lonzo Ball. Um, maybe you could get something else in addition, but like. Uh, the main piece of the trade would be to get Lonzo. And here's my reasoning, especially if you're the fucking Suns. Um, but, you know, even if you're the Bulls, 
Both teams have really elite scoring shooting guards who can't play a lick of fucking defense. Um, both teams need guys who will facilitate for all of their players because um, they do not have a facilitator. I know they've tried to make Devin Booker into a facilitator. He is not a facilitator. He is a scorer. Um, so if you can't get John ja Morant, um, I think you're better off flipping that pick, taking Lonzo, and essentially like having him be the guy who like runs your offense so you can really free up those elite scoring two guards to get buckets. He can get your other guys involved, whether it's, you know, getting Otto Porter open shots or Larry Markinen open shots, or, you know, if you're the Suns, you know, lobbing passes into Aiton to get him easy buckets down low or kicking it out to Oubre or TJ Warren or Mikael Bridges on the wing. Um, like, I think he would help those teams so much more than he's able to help the Lakers with LeBron. Um, and uh, he would help them so fucking much defensively um, because neither one of those uh, backcourt guys in each of those two teams uh, is really that good defensively. So that's why I think either one of those teams, if you don't get jaw, you should make a call to the Lakers and see if you could flip your pick for Lonzo. And if you're the Lakers, I, I just think at this point, you're looking at your roster saying, we need a fucking complete overhaul. We don't, like, Lonzo and LeBron's just, terrible but it's also not great um like we don't need two elite facilitators we only need one um if Lonzo could like really you know stroke open jump shots that'd be one thing but that's like the one big weakness in his game is shooting um and so you know it's just not helpful when you're you know pretty much building a team around LeBron so if you can get um, you know, a number three or number four, or maybe even number five pick um, to go along with whatever their pick ends up being, I think that helps your odds of trading for whoever you decide to trade for, whether it's Anthony Davis, whether you can work that out. Um, you know, maybe it's um, uh, Bradley Beal, or maybe it's somebody that, you know, we're not even, not even on our radar yet. Plus, it would you know, kind of open the door to, um, you know, really making a, a hard pitch at Kyrie. I don't think Kyrie would go to the Lakers. I, I think it would be Knicks or re-sign with the Celtics. Um, but, like, it would at least open the door to, like, really go in on that pitch and say, oh, man, let's fucking, let's roll it back. Like, you know, we understand each other better now, blah, 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 blah. Um and then you could use those draft picks to get your third guy um, and just kind of roll with that, um, you know, if if that's a possibility. Um, but if not, it still gives you infinite – infinite. Ah, I can't even speak right now. Uh, it gives you much better odds um, at, uh, at making a trade, in my opinion, um, especially because whoever you're trading with, uh, may not want uh, Lonzo Ball. Like, I think if you just 
get that pick and you take an R.J. Barrett or you take a Jarrett Culver, uh, I think those are guys who teams, you know, may value more. Most teams, not, not the Suns or the Bulls, but most teams around the league would probably value those guys more than Lonzo because, you know, they probably already have point guards and may not necessarily want those guys. What are your thoughts? Um, uh, you gave me like, you know how like I, I threw the Dallas in the, all right. So I got to digest this one way and one way only I'm going off of, it stays the three or four pick. So five and down and just look, we're staying at three or four. Lonzo ball does not hold that trade value. He is not worth the third overall pick in my mind. Yes. If I'm those teams, it makes sense for me completely. I agree with you there. But he is not worth that. Now, to make it work for me and to digest it, I'm getting the Lakers pick. So I'm getting Lonzo and your pick, and you can have three or four, and and that's it. I cannot okay. just Lonzo. I would say yes Lonzo's on just, three. I'd be shaky on four. Yeah, just because if I could just get three or, if I could get RJ, then yeah, that would be worth it. Culver, I you and me both really like Culver, but there's a ceiling to Culver, um, and. We think he's his floor is really high, um, or at least I do. I don't want to speak for you. I think his floor is really high, but his ceiling's not nearly as high as RJ. Um, so, like, yeah. But I mean, if I if I was getting RJ, yes, I would I would give up my own pick plus Lonzo to to make that happen. Yeah, I just like don't get me wrong. Lonzo's a good player. He's really good defensively. Like you said, all the right things. It's just he's been hurt the last, you know. He hasn't really proved anything. Yeah, I mean, but he's not the he's, he's not shoes, the Tatum. Man. Tatum, Tatum could possibly, but Tatum's worth a little bit more. But I mean, I just think the Lakers would have to add something to get. But he does make sense for the Chicago Bulls, like you say, playing next to Levine, definitely helping him out defensively, not having to shoot all the times that Levine's gonna somehow think he's you know he's Levine Swaggy P just for like for Chicago where it's just like, come on, man, just stop taking so many shots. Sometimes you're good, but if you just don't think that you're Kobe, you're not. Just, you know, if you kind of just <laughs> do your own thing, you, you, you're you going to be a fine player. But at some point, Levine's going to be like, I've only taken eight shots, and I really need to take 24 shots. And somehow just bang out, like, you know, get him up to 24, even though if they miss. So it makes sense. I just don't think Lonzo Ball holds that high of a trade value. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm not. I'm doing it just because my pick right now, like you're saying, not no team. Obviously, New Orleans didn't want um, Lonzo Ball, and the only other team that I can maybe see doing something trade wise is Washington. But I don't see them wanting Lonzo Ball. So it's like, yeah, you have to flip that out. And your number ten pick, say they stay in the bottom, say they even go to like possibly eleven, so ten or eleven. That's right. not really holding that much. So, but if you have the number three, no. four, like like you're saying, you you're gonna have to sell some team on Culver and all that, or maybe somehow RJ Barrett slipped to four in that scenario. So no matter what, you're getting RJ Barrett. If you're using the three pick or the four pick, if you're LA, I would do it just because, like you said, you have something to build around. If you want to just keep them and not do the wrong thing, even though Anthony Davis sounds great and all, but that's just not in my mind. A smart, I'd rather just keep the pick and just somehow move up and build with LeBron and RJ, but it gives you way more trade value options if you do were to get an RJ Barrett and then be able to flip him and 
go for an Anthony Davis. Yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much the the notion behind it because I just don't I don't see this team rolling it back in any sort of way. No matter what they do this off season, no matter who they land, um, I don't think a lot of these young guys are going to be there. They're going to flip them for somebody. Um, now it may not end up being a good trade, um, but and and frankly, I don't think. It, you know the final trade, rumored trade that that you know they offered New Orleans. I thought was a bad trade. I thought it was way too much. Um, you know, like giving up everybody, all of their young pieces, and fucking taking back Solomon Hill. Like, oh my god, that would have been terrible. Um, but um, you know, fortunately enough for them, <laughs> they didn't take it. Um, but yeah, I I, I think it just makes sense, especially for the amount of point guards that are out there um, right now uh, in this year's free agency. Um, I mean, not only do you have Kyrie, you have Kemba, and then, you know, even away from the max point guard guys, there's a lot of quality point guards, um, you know, that are that are kind of lower, um, that wouldn't cost you nearly as much. I mean, we mentioned Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, there's Darren Collison uh, who's out there. Um, Goran Dragic could be available. He could opt out. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of guys who I feel like they could get, um, you know, to kind of fill that role, even if they don't sign one of those two quote unquote elite point guards. Um, so yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's go to the next one. What's your next one, man? All right. My final one, I had to do it for, um, you know, our boys, Joan and Joel. I got a shout out to my Knicks. So what if the Knicks <laughs> dropped to the number four pick and all hell just kind of broke loose them because they missed out on the top three? <laughs> uh, because it's interesting. Right it, it's really interesting. Can they trade that with others to get a star like Anthony Davis? Is the number four no. Kevin Knox and all that really looking no. that appealing right now? No. no. Do they take the safe route? and take a Culver or a Hunter? Or do they just flip that number four to save some money, more money in the offseason, and just trade down for some more picks and some other assets and just try to get some more money that you can spend in offseason and do foolish things with them? Because I feel like the Knicks, <laughs> if they're not in that top three and they're not getting Morant, R.J. Barrett, or Zion, what are you doing at four? And it's not worth AD because you don't have enough your young guys aren't really no. worth it in my mind right now not to get close. the Anthony Davis. Like the Lakers are way better, and the Lakers in my mind weren't that great. So it puts the Knicks in the funniest situation if they're in that spot at number four. It's just like, damn it, how did we get here? We tanked so hard. Why? It never happens for us, you know. And now you can take the colder. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense, but it's just like, damn it. Or, you know, just trade down and save some more money in the back end of, like, a couple of million to possibly do your crazy KD and Kyrie and maybe something, you know. It just – Knicks right now maybe, have to be in the top three. Maybe maybe the Knicks call up the Celtics and say, hey, you want this number four pick? What are those – what are those, what, are, what, are, what are, what was that offer you made to fucking Washington? Like, we'll take that. <laughs> yeah, nine, we'll fourteen, take like and nine twenty-one. And, yeah, like give us all those. We need some depth. 
We're getting Katie and Kyrie, didn't you hear? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, I actually think Danny would just hang up on him. He'd just be like, fuck you. Like, I'm not even – I'm not making any trades with the Knicks. Like, I'm not – I'm not helping – like any team that might try to pilfer one of my players, like fuck that. Um, but yeah, I I think yeah, I mean I think ultimately you would. I could see them trading down. I could see them just taking Cam Reddish, like being like, this guy's gonna be a superstar. Like he's gonna be great. Dude, he's not. Um, he worries me so no. much. He's dropped. So much on my board, dude. He's like in the bottom of my tens right now. Like he's in the back half right now. Like I don't see it in him. I saw okay, I saw glimpse in him in that Louisville comeback. I was like, oh okay, yeah, here he is. Yeah, here's this guy that I could see Duke going one, two, and three, and it just disappeared after that. I'm like, Kenny's had so many chances. Zion was out, and you know who's done better in it, like who actually kind of showed me more glimpse of being the third best player on the team is Trey Jones. Uh, Jones. Or Trey, Trey Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trey he Jones, actually yeah. took over games. I'm like, so, yeah, I don't trust Reddish at four, so it's just like, do you t- – like, that's why I said the safe picks in Culver, maybe is Hunter really worth it? I mean – No, oh, I'd, I'd no. take Culver. I would take oh, Culver no. or Hunter. Um, Knicks, Knicks fans would just cry. They're crying right now. Yeah, but, just, but here's the thing, really- man. Here's the interesting thing. If they don't get Zion, like, I mean, granted, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you take Job Morant and then try to flip Dennis Smith Jr. again. Um, I don't think you're going to get much value out of him. Um, but, like, let's say you're you're in position to take RJ. Like, what becomes of RJ if you then sign KD? Like, you ain't going to get shit out of RJ. So then I guess you flip him for something. But – I don't think RJ and those young other young guys are are worth um, Anthony Davis. Maybe you could get Bradley Beal out of it. Maybe, um, but like, dude, I, I I've been pissing Joel off all fucking year. Well, for the last like two months because I'm just like fucking Knox is not good, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm just saying he's. He like he's the fuck a terrible shooter who shoots a lot. Like you know, like he's not he's just not been good. Um and uh yeah, I mean I like Lonzo Trier, but um you know, I mean I, I I don't think you're you're gonna invest a lot in him, honestly. Uh and then, you know, Neil Aquina, Dennis Smith Junior, like none of these guys have a high trade value. Like I mean, I don't think any sort of package that you're going to put together, um, you know, without Zion is going to be enough to get Anthony Davis. I just don't see it. Um, I mean, yeah, like like you said, I just feel like the Lakers, unless the Pelicans were just like, we are not trading with the Lakers. But even still, man, I feel like there'd be some dark horse candidate, whether it be like Denver or I don't know, fuck, maybe even Portland. Like, I don't know, Portland could probably put together a better offer if they include, like, McCollum and, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of picks, and Zach Collins and, um, uh, you know, fuck, I don't know. I mean, the pro would want Nurkic at this point because he's hurt, but I don't know. I, I think maybe that would be better, <laughs> you know, 
Because, I mean, at least you got CJ for two years. You could flip him. You could play, you know, see, play a year with him, maybe trade him at the deadline or something um, and get more assets, you know, out of that. Um, like, I don't, I just don't, I don't really like any of the assets other than, you know, the potential that RJ Barrett has um, coming from the Knicks. Like, you're not getting, like, Nilakina doesn't have any value. In my opinion, Knox has very little value. Um, I, and maybe I shouldn't say Nilakina has no value, but very little. Trier has a little bit more than both of them, but not a whole lot, especially since he's on a one-year deal, um, and then you're going to have to re-sign him you know, after next season if, if he does well. And if he doesn't do well, like then you don't want to re-sign him. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather just have like RJ – and like two future first, <laughs> like and let me draft them. Like I don't, I don't like any of the guys you drafted. <laughs> um, it's really too bad, man. I said I said they should have taken fucking MPJ. They should have taken Michael Porter, man. Um, like because if if they had him right now, the the fact that no one's seen him would be still better value than Knox. Because we've all seen Knox, and we've all seen how inefficient he is. The fact that he's not a particularly good defender, despite his size. Um, yeah, not not a lot of value going on there. Um, well, good. I'm glad we got a chance to shit on the Knicks. <laughs> Although, oh yeah, you know, this, you know how to find a way. <laughs> I say this like I I I feel so bad um, for for. Not really Jawan, but more so Joel, because he's like a real diehard Knicks fan. Like, I want the Knicks to be good again. I do. I just don't want him to get Zion. Um, like, I, I'd, I'd be fine with them getting Zion if they don't get Katie or Kyrie, I guess. Um, and, like, just having Zion be the guy there. Um, but I, I don't like the fit. I don't like any of the pieces they have there to put around him. Um, I, I don't know. Um so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right, my last one. All right, you're going to hate this one. You, you, you're going to hate this one more than I hated the Dallas one. <laughs> if the Sixers somehow manage to end up with the number one overall pick, essentially, if that Kings pick ends up hitting the jackpot and becoming the number one overall pick, the Sixers should trade Ben Simmons and keep Zion and re-sign all the guys, you know, re-sign uh, – actually, let Reddick walk, but re-sign Jimmy, re-sign um, Tobias. Uh, obviously, you got Embiid. So that's your two, three, four, five. Uh, and I would trade him – for a point guard who can actually fucking shoot. Um, like, I would probably... Okay, so I got three trades here for you, Luke, in this in this highly, highly unlikely scenario. <laughs> First trade that I would like to do, the, the number one trade I would like to do if I'm the Sixers, is I'd call up Sacramento and say, we'll give you Ben Simmons for De'Aaron Fox. If you're the Kings, what are you saying to that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to give you up anything. Ben Simmons, 
even though right now he doesn't look like in the long term he's going to work with the Sixers, you got to figure out who you're building around. But Ben Simmons' trade value is like pretty much like, dude, he's up there in like the the top tens of like what you got to get. I mean, Fox would be great for them and be fun and fast based on but like. I'm worried that yeah. Sacramento is going to get more. You would have to give up a lot more around that De'Aaron Fox kind of trade thing. Cause I don't know. Is, he's really, even though he can't shoot, he's really good. Like a lot of teams yeah. would definitely be excited to build around him. Okay. Um, so that was that was one. Then I would assume, uh, say I was, I was predicting, <laughs> maybe I was like not valuing him enough. Um, because of his, um, I guess perhaps, uh, you know, trying to make him fit uh, on a team, I feel like is difficult. Uh, but my second one was uh, calling up Denver and saying, we'll give you Ben Simmons for Jamal Murray and Juan Hernan Gomez. Um, so I would assume you'd say yes to that one too. <laughs> that one's more interesting. Um for the Sixers, um, I would definitely, yeah, I mean, I've, if I'm any team, I'm definitely saying yes to Ben Simmons. I mean, imagine him and, and Nikolai Jokic playing together. The passing that they I know, do, that's oh, what I said. man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so nice. I think, like, for that trade, it would have to be Gary Harris and Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons. That's what kind of trade value. Yeah, the money doesn't ben work. Simmons hold. The money doesn't work. I know Gary it doesn't Harris. work. Like, you'll, make, you'll, you'll match in the big end, but that's just, like, the two two things for this for I want this shiny piece and we'll worry about the little you know the garbage that you throw in to make the money I'll tell work. you this but those, maybe I I don't know I think there's been a lot of times this season where Malik Beasley's outplayed him maybe you say um, maybe you say Murray Beasley and um, and Hernan Gomez okay I mean dude Beasley has definitely played like really well this year and I'm definitely high on this thing but I do think Harris has had kind of one of those injured years where he didn't like he's not he's always kind of been injured but like last year I kind of like I was like this is going to be his year he's going to definitely like get in that stride he can be a very good two way player and all that and he just kind of ran into injuries and then lost his way with Jamal Murray really starting to flourish so I just think yeah you definitely like it's just it's going to be hard to to get like a Ben Simmons from the Sixers even though. They should make their decision right now. What are you doing between Embiid and Simmons? But well, and, and this, but well, no. The, here's here's the thing. I'm not trading Ben Simmons if I don't get Zion. That's what I'm saying. If you get Zion, at that point, it's like, do I do I trade? Do I trade Zion? Like, if I'm the Sixers and I get just find myself in the fucking fortunate sense to fucking get Zion, like. Do I do I make that trade? Like no, I I think I would keep him, particularly because Zion would have four years on a rookie scale deal. Ben Simmons is going into the final year of his rookie scale deal, um, which means he, you're going to pay him a shit ton next season. Um, that's why De'Aaron Fox I would prefer over Jamal Murray because he's also going into the final year um, of his rookie deal. Um, so I would I would rather have somebody that can keep longer. All right, here's the last one I had. Um, that actually is probably my favorite um, for the Sixers. Um, and I actually like it for the other team a lot, too. Um, ben Simmons for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Williams, 
Sweet Lou, baby, uh, and uh, a future first-round pick. This works on so many levels. First of all, I think Shea, you know, I've always been fucking, I've been high on Shea. He's my second point guard coming out of the draft last year. Um, Six foot six, he's shooting 38% from three this year. Um, He's a very good defender. Um, I think he would work very well with that Sixers team. If you got Lou Williams on top of that to come off your bench and get you those buckets, that would be fucking great. Um, I mean, we all know Lou's just fucking lightning in a bottle off the bench. He may not have a whole, you know, I mean, with like Jamal Crawford, for example, when he fell off, he fell off quick. Um, So I expect maybe a similar thing to happen to Lou Williams. But, I mean, as far as right now, Lou's still fucking really good. Um, And he's on a very reasonable contract. Um, And then if you're the Clippers, dude, if you could sign Kawhi and get Ben Simmons, like, fuck, son. That would be so much fucking fun to watch. Um, So, yeah, those are my three. Which one do you like the best now that you've heard them all? Uh, they're they're all interesting. The last one makes you know starting to like kind of make you like because you gave him a future first round and might need to be a couple more things. But uh, that one be fun. I mean, sweetly going back to the team that drafted him right at high school. I mean, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, he was on the Sixers. Yeah, so going back to the Seventy Sixers and all that. He dude. I mean, even though he's saying he's gonna fall off, he's gonna fall off. He knows how to get buckets in today's NBA, and that's really hard. And he just knows how to get this spot. I mean, the guy just lights up. The, the Celtics every time we watch them, just like how, how it's like him, Devin Booker, Kevin, I mean, Kimba Walker. It's like, how, how have we not figured out these guys yet? And he just knows that I'm just like, Lou Williams is just going to get buckets for the rest of his career until he does hit this like weird thing. Um, Shea would be great on that team. He's fun and all that. Um, it's just, it's interesting. I've been wa- waiting to hear your three teams to say, how the fuck are you going to give a team that has a 0.7 chance that's number one thing i don't even think that's possible i don't even think they've even like written in the sacramento pick as a possible chance of getting the number one pick i've done every tankathon possible like hitting it multiple times to never even see the sacramento pick trickle up to the top three let alone number one oh, you oh, are just a, twice. such a sixers band oh i can't wait till this fucking whole thing crashes in the playoffs, and I'm just going to call you and be like, just like the Lakers this year, buddy. Just like the Lakers. You but know what? You know I, what's funny? I, what's up? I, so, I, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was um, uh, Andrew Sharp, who's a who's a you know writer for for I think. Well, Ben Golliver is the writer for the, the Post. I don't remember what the podcast is called, but those two um, have a podcast. Um, Andrew Sharp's the writer for SI, but he's a, he's a Wizards fan. Um, and so, you know, obviously, uh, Grunfeld finally got fired. <laughs> um, and uh, so they were throwing out GM possibilities. And uh, so Ben Golliver threw out um, uh, Sam Hinky. Uh And Andrew Sharp said, wouldn't it be like – the best irony ever if the Wizards picked up Sam Hinkie, embraced the fucking tank, and then just in time for Philadelphia to have traded off all of the assets that Hinkie accrued for them to become what the Wizards were 
throughout their whole fucking span of existence when they've been good throughout the last 20 years and just be nominal and then fucking get ousted in the second round every fucking year until they have to tear it all down and rebuild again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're probably right. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, man, the fucking Elton Brand, man, like, ugh. Like he pretty much just went all in, and it's fucking scary. It gets really scary at this point. Um, and and you know what? Like to be honest, I I don't I don't think the the Sixers don't deserve to get the number one pick. Um, the Sixers like I don't want them to get the number one pick. Um, you know I I think that, you know now that they've made their bed, I'm gonna root for them in the playoffs. Um, I've had a lot of fun rooting against them when the Hawks have played them this year because we fucking kicked their ass three times out of four this year, and it's been fucking great. Um, but I'm going to root for them. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're making it out of the East. I'd be fucking very surprised if they make it past Toronto. Toronto's good, man. I think Toronto's going to win the East, honestly. No, yeah, Toronto is a really good team, um, I'm still with my, you know, with my Celtics, but I do think Toronto could be that one team just because Milwaukee keeps on getting more injuries. And I think yeah. when you come to a playoff series, teams are going to know how to front and play the half-court defense against Giannis. And, oh, no, better yet, not Giannis, because you're going to let him do things. They're going to play better defense and face up Eric Bledsoe, who's had a really good year this year, and you're going to see that, right. oh, he's not really that great. So Toronto, Toronto's in that position right now where they're like, fuck it, Kawhi, just leave if you want because Siakam's just been out of nowhere and we're just going to so go with this thing. And he's going to somehow, we'll still make the playoffs and let him do his thing. So, yeah, no, Toronto, Toronto's a, a good uh, a good chance of making out of these. I just, I don't see the Sixers doing it. And then also getting back to if they were to do that trade, um, I'm letting Jimmy Butler walk and keeping Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick and to build around Embiid and Zion. Even though it's smart to keep the superstars, I think I want the shooter, and Tobias kind of just fits the mold. And Jimmy, I don't know. Jimmy, he, he, he's been good, I, man. Like, he's been I good. I just, I just can't really. Yeah, I, look, I know his fit is weird. I know. Um, but he has been good. Like, he's been better than, than – <sighs> I feel like he's been a lot better than than the portrayal of his play has been um, with that team. Because, um, I mean, because he's not putting up the numbers anymore, but, like, he's doing all of the ancillary things that you would want a guy like Jimmy Butler to do. He's guarding the other team's best fucking player, perimeter player. He's fucking being your clutch, like, closer down the stretch. Um, no. Like, what do you mean, no? That. That's terrifying. Dude, he's terrible. I understand that. Like, I love the thing that's just like, Jimmy Butler has, like, balls of steel and will take the shots. It's like, dude, you let him. Half the time, they're terrible shots, and he's not that great at them. Yeah, every squirrel's going to find it's nut. Like, okay, that's something. We're going to be a prime example. That's okay. <laughs> game. He did make that game winner. That was one of the worst sequence of shots ever. It was a terrible shot and all. And if <laughs> he you made watched two before the, that, in Jimmy the, like, Butler almost shot early. them out of it. He almost shot them out of the game completely after they made this run. So I get you, like, he does have he does have that willpower that I don't see well, a lot of, like, I wish Embiid would be like, just give me the ball. 
I'm going to make it down low. He doesn't have yeah, it yet. But no, Jimmy Butler that move, is not man. a clutch player. He's he's not clutch. He's not. Oh, he, see, he I, it, I, I very much see, the I ones that he makes are off balance. They're terrible shots. If you look at all of his game winners, and you like, if you really look at it, and you're like, oh man, that was like really good for him. And like, yeah, you no, know, they're like these weird, them. like dizzy, like dude. That's just it's just. And like I said, every squirrel makes it. If you really look, watch, I'm it, not, I'm and not what people here. forget I'm not, is the terrible shots he made before that too. You just are like, oh, I made the game winner, yeah, and then you forget like well, the last four minutes he went also one for nine and did some terrible look, quick shots on our game clock. Look, I'm not I'm not trying to make the case that he's like one of the best closers in the game. I'm just saying he's the best option that you fucking have. Like Tobias, no, Harris, yeah, and great I, scorer, it, it, not a fucking closer. Embiid, not a fucking closer. Ben Simmons can't fucking shoot. He's the best option you have as far as a closer. If you lose Jimmy, you don't have a fucking closer anymore. So like, like, look, I mean, I, you know, I said at the time they made the trade, like, I was like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't think that was a good idea. Um, but like, you fucking made your bed. You better fucking lie in it now. If you fucking let Jimmy walk this off season, then you're fucked. Like, because you don't have the cap space, you know, anymore to fucking make any sort of good moves, I mean, then you're pretty much just, like, trying to fucking draft wings in the late, you know, first round um, to, you know, try and get something to replace him. Um, I think they're stuck with it, man. I wouldn't want to give him a super long contract, but they better fucking, they better pony up the money and and pay both those guys, um, both he and Tobias, um, because, man, if they lose either one of them, they're fucked. Like, they, that's, they, they don't, they don't have any recourse. Um, like the only, the only like one, what if scenario is if they didn't, if they let both of those guys walk, they'd have the money to sign Katie and like, fine. Like, but that's not happening. That's not going to happen. So like, yeah, <laughs> nah, you're fucked, bro. Like they, they've got to bring those guys back and just that they can figure something out, make it work tie it all together. The funny thing is, is, you know, they, they ended up firing Sam Hinkie, I think mostly at the bequest of Adam Silver. And I think that was the worst decision they made. They, I don't like to say it, but maybe they fired the wrong guy. Maybe they should have fired their coach, found a better coach and kept Sam Hinkie. <laughs> like, you know, but. No, uh, yeah. And um, I, I agree know. with you with, uh, I agree with what you're saying is, like, you know, you've given it to me. But it just really kills me that I just uh, – Embiid is so dominant, and I wish that he just had the Jimmy oh, Butler and think of just give me the ball. He needs to stop taking three-pointers. I don't know what, mm-hmm. like, he just – he had one decent good season with it. He needs it to stop. I still don't understand how people fall for the punt fake. I'm just like, dude, he's just a terrible – just let him choose the shot. If he makes it, who cares because he's terrible – but if he were to be the Jimmy Butler, like, inside the paint, you're winning every game. There's no one stopping you and beat. That's what really just is like. I get, like, Jimmy does have the killer instinct, and it's hard. Like, not a lot of people have that program, and and it's good that he has that program. But I just feel like ten times, like, more out of times, he's, he's almost shooting a team out, but he does make that when it should just be Embiid down the stretch, just being like, I've got this for us, boys. Trust me. Just give me the ball down low. I'm going to figure out how to – even if he does his step-backs and shots, like, don't shoot the three. He's got a really good shot. Just be inside the paint area and be like – just take Jimmy Butler's mindset and become that and be like, okay, 
see you, Jimmy. We don't need you anymore. But I understand what you're saying. They've already they've already done way too. Elton Brand tricked all the Sixers fans into thinking that he did really great things, and it's just like it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, this year it's great, but what did you really do to your team? Because you gutted the hell out of it, and it's like a push for mm-hmm. all this, and you know you're kind of screwed if it well, doesn't work it was, out. It was already kind of gutted at the beginning of the season, um, but like they've slowly gutted it even more to get that top tier talent. Like, dude, I. You know, I'm probably going to go with the Milwaukee GM, John Horst, for my GM of the year. But if if one of the four of us does not fucking give uh, – I can't remember his name. The guy who took over for Doc Rivers he was his assistant. Um, I'm so mad I can't think of his name right now. But the Clippers Buff? GM – like the Clippers GM deserves so much fucking credit. Like, Jerry West? Dude. Huh? Isn't Jerry West running that team now? I don't know. No, 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 no. He's, he's a consultant. Doing it though. No, 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 no. He's not. He's just a consultant. Um, no, it's. Uh, hold on. No, I'll pull it up. Um, but no, dude. Like, dude, he totally deserves GM of the year, like fucking consideration because he is Lawrence Frank. Um, he is. He's done a fucking fantastic job. Like the way that I mean, we all know how good, like, how many assets they were able to get back for Tobias Harris, you know, which ultimately they flipped, you know, last season. Uh, they they flipped uh, Blake for him last season, got an additional pick and all that cap space. Um, but, like, also just, like, swindling fucking Palinka and Magic down the stretch and getting fucking Zubats for fucking Mike Muscala. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, dude. Like, definitely, I, I tell you what, if nobody picks him, I'll go last when we do GNs. If nobody picks him, I'm definitely going to give a shout-out to Lawrence Frank because this is a fucking hell of a job he's done over there uh, for the Clippers. Um, but uh, anyway, man, always fun. Uh, always enjoy it, especially, like, things like this. It, like, these are the most fun to me. Especially, you know, I said last uh, on Tuesday when I was, you know, giving a little spiel to promo for this. I was like, yeah, it's probably more for me and Luke than anything, but, you know, we hope you enjoy it, people. Like, um, oh, yeah. But, I, mean, uh, I hope they have yeah, fun man. with it, too, and really think about the what-ifs. And, you know, I mean, for the Knicks fans, you got to think. I mean, that could happen. What if you fall out? So don't just come down my throat and just be real with me. It can, anything can happen. Right. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen in the lottery yet. And, like, hey, draft reform, man. Like it's, uh, I, I'm gonna really have to refrain from if the Knicks do fall out, just saying that to Joel, because um, Joel was like always a big proponent of draft reform, and then of course the first year that it gets put into place is the year that his team actually figures out and tanks correctly. Um, it would just be so disheartening if they fall out of the top three. Like, I, just, I don't want them to fall out of the top three. Like, they would just be so mad. Um, and, you know, it'd, it'd be tough. I like those guys. It'd be, it'd be tough on them. Um, but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, great show, man. Uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, coming on. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Peace out. All right, peace, brother. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining joining us uh, for another episode of Full Court Press. Uh, be sure to check out 
uh, all of the stuff coming up this week. We have another episode of Geeks Against the Grain uh, tomorrow night. Uh, we also have uh, a new top ten, uh, Tia's top ten, uh, this Saturday and then Sunday, uh, Geek Vibes Live, as always, 8 o'clock. Um, we'll be breaking down the new Avengers trailer um, as well as all of the other news in the comic book and geek world. Uh, and then next week we'll have a show Monday night, um, uh, round seven, be about an hour-long show. And then Dave's going to have two episodes of Wrestling Geeks Alliance next week for all of the various cool wrestling stuff going on that I know nothing about. Uh, and then we will cap it off with our uh, final end-of-the-year awards uh, for all of the various things, MVP, Rookie of the Year, uh, all that jazz, uh, first team, All-NBA, um, or, you know, all of our All-NBA teams, all rookie teams, all defensive teams, all that good stuff. Uh, so that'll be next Thursday, the day after the regular season ends, and then we'll be kicking into gear for the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun going down the stretch of this season. Hope to see you there. Until then, peace.